ha ha. Merry everyone. Hey everyone. We just did that a second ago, but I wasn't recording. <laughs> Fucking rookie mistake. Awkward. <clears throat> yeah, it was real awkward. We were just sitting here staring at each other. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I wasn't I didn't think that this one would be coming out on Christmas Day. My back is cold. Can you hand me that blanket? Um, so Adam's over here giving me a blanket because my back is cold. Uh, the window's right behind me. It is 22 outside with That's the like, sun up and everything. I think 22 is like minus five or something. See. But yeah, it's cold in <laughs> Texas. I'm still a rookie to it because I don't know how to dress myself. So I've forgotten how to dress myself, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, it's minus five and a half. So I just walked out with um, a hoodie, but nothing underneath. Um, just using it as a shirt. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine with just that in my beanie. Yeah. It was not. Well, the car was nice. <laughs> I should have wore something else over, like my <laughs> jean jacket at least, to like block the wind. Yeah, but for those who don't know, Texas is, I would like to say I've only read conditions, like as speaking as an electrician, mm -hmm. I've read of these conditions in like third world places. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like being funny, like that's the kind of stuff that we would see on like when we were in college and stuff, mm -hmm. where like if the grid gets too hot, it's like, okay, now everybody turn off your air conditioning because it's too hot for the electricity. Yeah. Or when it gets too cold, it's like, okay, everybody, it's too cold for the electricity. So last year, the That's power went out for the entire fucking state. Yeah. Because they're independent <laughs> and they don't rely on anyone else. So we all just freeze to death. But this year, the power stayed on. Yeah, so it far. did. It did. Um, and then uh, also... Like to add on to that, within city limits, you weren't supposed to drip your faucets, but if you were outside of city limits, it was allowed. Yeah. So, yeah. but all the power for the big buildings downtown stayed on. Yeah. That was the big controversy last year. Yeah. The big buildings that were empty because everybody was at home trying to keep their houses together. Yeah. But this year, it's just Christmas. Yeah. And uh, we can We're actually fucking just, ready. Yeah, and we oh, can just enjoy this, the, the the cold. Yeah, I got this cute little votive candle holder. I just want to talk about it. It's like mint green, has a bunny on it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I was sick this week. You are? You are, kind of. I was still, yeah, I'm getting over it. Today's the first day that I actually feel normal. Mm -hmm. So I had wanted to record this like nice and early. But um, I ended up in bed all day like a big baby on Sunday. Mm. And then like my voice was going and everything during the week. So it just wasn't happening. But we are here. We're here. It's 11 a.m. Yeah. And we're going to do this now. And we are going to do this now. This episode is sponsored by Magic Mind. Yes, it is. And we're going to talk about that for a little minute. Yeah. So like one of the things that I have an issue with is like I want... It's an issue because, like, I have, like, you know how they talk about, like, that five o'clock feeling? Yeah. But for yeah. me, because I go to work so early, it's a one o'clock feeling. Right. So I am really, a, I really don't like drinking two cups of coffee in a day. Um, 
And I, I, don't, I don't know why I have a hair up my butt about it, but... <laughs> because <laughs> just, you, you also go to sleep early. You wake up really early and you go to sleep quite yeah, early. Yeah, I, I think that's why. But anyways, usually I take the Magic Mind in the morning, but I take it with my coffee. So I think what I'm going to do instead of that second cup of coffee, I'm just going to take a Magic Mind. Because, like, I stare at a screen for almost eight hours a day. Yeah. And, like, I need breaks sure but my energy level like i know i'm just sitting there doing nothing well i'm not doing that like physically doing nothing yeah but um so that's my problem and so that i think that's what i'm going to start doing because i do feel like when i take when i take it i'm not like crashing or anything which i am more sensitive to now i think because of the different like lifestyle changes that i've been doing for yeah, myself like yeah. working out and eating better i've become more sensitive to sugar so that's also one of the things that i have to keep up now yay for getting older <laughs> <laughs> because i can eat a couple cookies and i'm like i want to take on the world but then afterwards i just don't want anyone to talk to me <laughs> yeah because i crash so hard or like with energy drinks as well i'm sure you know yeah so i think it's because so i think what i'm gonna do is just take the magic mind in the middle of the day um because it has matcha in it and it doesn't like that's rock my, my world thing. yeah matcha is my favorite <laughs> so thing. hard so it'll keep me level like high not not high but you know like <laughs> keep high. your energy high. yeah i don't keep my energy <laughs> up and um and i know i won't fucking crash so i mean i already know that it works for me like maintaining energy level without crashing so i'll just yeah. take it in the afternoon like so you're going to change your Yeah, I think I'm going to change you... the routine, yeah. Yeah. If that's something that you're looking for, like maybe instead of like one of those energy shots or one of those popular energy drinks, mm -hmm. maybe give this a go. Yeah, so we definitely re recommend getting the subscription because like we've been saying before, this isn't just like an energy drink that you take just to keep your energy up. Like it's also packed full of nutrients and... Uh, what are they called? Like macronutrients and like yeah. mushrooms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we do recommend getting the subscription. And Sebastian, my rep from Magic Mind, has actually given us an even better discount code. Right now, if you use the code Weekly Creep, all caps, you'll get up to 56% off. Oh, wow. So that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and you just go to www.magicmind.co forward slash Weekly Creep and use the code Weekly Creep. For 56% off. That's really cool. This code will be valid forever as a 20% thing. But if you use it within the next, I think, two weeks, because like we're going to be running this for the next couple of weeks. Um, if you act now, basically, you'll get 56% off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. And I will be including the link in the description below, like I always do, because I'm so good at episode <laughs> descriptions and stuff like that. I never forget about them or leave them till the last minute. Right, so do you want to get into today's tarot card? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Is it a Christmas card? It's not. It's actually, oh. it, we, we got the... <laughs> then uh, I don't want it. The no. fuckboy of the tarot again. The Knight of Wands. Um, so today's message, you're full of energy and desire something new. Shake up your routine today. Do something different and fun. Go outside, get some exercise. Follow your whims and fancies. So you may not be creating long-lasting change now. A bit of disruption will benefit your creative spirit. And I don't know if you hear it, but I can definitely hear it now more than ever. 
My Invisalign is creating a lisp. Oh, because you just changed it. I thought you were going to say something about creativity. No. <laughs> um, that I actually really like that card, though. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I really like your lisp. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed. Maybe I'm more used to it. You're probably just overthinking it because we're recording. No, I didn't have a lisp before because I didn't have a modification to my Invisalign. But now that I do, like within this, like the end of last month and the the remainder of this month, I'm going to have this mod. I can feel it. It kind of like, it's ever present. It's like I have a constant thing just jutting out of my, my teeth. So basically, so that I don't end up with like some rough, dried patch on the bottom of my tongue. I have to be like very careful with how I talk. Oh, really? Yeah, because it, it like, it's like a little flap. Oh. So I'm like, it sticks out. Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, I think I'm going to have to file the edges of it. With I'm, a nail filer. I'm going to try and get Invisalign next year. You're gonna, I'm going to be like Ross Geller with those big, bright white teeth. I mean, if you're, li- <laughs> if you're listening, um, just can you just comment on the Instagram post for this, uh, this episode and just give encouraging words to Adam because he is deathly terrified of the dentist. I am so afraid. So when he says things like... But I'm like, also very self-conscious like of my teeth. Yeah, when he's like, I'm going to go to the dentist or when I go to Invisalign and I'm like... Invisalign, I'm not that afraid of. It's just like... But they're going to have to get in your mouth. Yeah, but that's not what I'm worried about. Like, I'm more afraid of like procedures and stuff. Anyway, let's not get into it. <laughs> let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'm just going to go ahead. It's it's uh, Herb Baumeister. Okay. All right. I wish, I wish Spotify would do this like a reveal of a title. Mm-hmm. So I could like make a title like listed easily to find, but people would still get a shock when they're like, they'd be surprised. Listening. Yeah, like <gasps> first, I'm just gonna get my list of sources out of the way. The book that I used was "The Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm" by Richard E. Step and Robert Graves. Um, WRTV.com. It's a local news network that have actually got like a, a lot of good material on there. A documentary from the Crime and Investigation Channel, the Indianapolis Star and do317.com that was actually a really good uh, website i tried to like find the author and stuff but they did like a five chapter article thing i think at the time you would sign up for an email and they would email you a chapter every week it was really cool oh that is cool yeah but yeah i tried to find the author and like their twitter has been suspended and all this kind of stuff so i don't know yeah they did like other local indianapolis stuff like um like top 25 things to do in indianapolis this spring or some crap like that that's cool yeah but um i couldn't find anything else from them but anyway it was a really good resource so sometime in the late fall of 1995 young eric baumeister found something very curious while playing out in his own backyard a mere 50 feet from the back patio of the house after hearing some commotion in the back garden Eric's mother, Julie, was horrified to discover her son was chasing his sisters around the garden with none other than a human skull on the end of a long stick. She demanded to know where he had found it, and when he showed her, she was absolutely gobsmacked. There was a set of human bones that looked as though, quote, somebody had just lain down and died. As soon as her husband, Herb, got home, she confronted him about the very obvious human skeleton, and he just laughed her off. Herb's dad had been a doctor, an anesthesiologist in fact, and Herb had found this skeleton in one of their old moving boxes so he figured he'd just give it a decent burial. 
He told her it was probably from like the 1800s or something like that. Julie calmed down and he told her not to worry, he'd get rid of it. When she checked a few days later, it was gone from the back of the house, so she figured he did as he told her, and that was that. Herb was a bit of a hoarder and collected some random shit anyway, like the mannequins he had dressed up around the indoor pool so it looked like there was always a party going on in there. (laughs) Just a weird sense of humour, maybe. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) They owned two thrift stores too, so like he would have had first dibs on all sorts of weird and wonderful shit. That's awesome. Yeah. A few weeks later, in November 1995, police arrived at the Baumeister's house while Herb was out on a delivery. The detective told Julie that she was investigating the disappearances of several men from local gay bars and that her husband's car had been seen in the area. Naturally, Julie was shocked and appalled that she should even think Herb had anything to do with such disgusting behaviour. They had been married for 25 years and had even had sexual intercourse six times. She counted. Yeah. Three kids, six times. That's all it took. Julie denied police access to their property and again when they asked in April of 1996. Maybe she was in denial, maybe she was trying to protect her kids, or maybe she was just afraid of her husband. Herbert Baumeister was born on April 7th, 1947 in Indianapolis, Indiana. His parents were Herbert Sr. and Elizabeth. He had three siblings and his dad, like I said, was an anesthesiologist at a nearby hospital. Typical middle-class family with nothing weird going on. Or at least, that's how they appeared, like on the outside, but little Herb was definitely a little bit odd. It's hard to say what's exaggerated in these news articles and all. Like, a lot of them were, like, really tabloidy news articles. But I read that he was obsessed with dead animals and gory subjects as an early adolescent. I don't know how obsessed he was, but he did find a dead crow one day on his way to school, hid it in his pocket and left it on his teacher's desk just for fun. (laughs) I mean, that kind of just, it doesn't sound too weird. Yeah, there's nothing like crazy. He did also piss on the teacher's desk. Okay, that's a little A little bit, but could still be like, oh, he's just some weird little boy, you know? Yeah. Maybe the teacher even deserved it. We don't know what the teacher did. We don't. But it is also human nature to be inquisitive about the subject of death. Yeah, I definitely fucking was. But the general theme of like most of the accounts of his childhood was that he just didn't really fit in. He would often ask classmates if they would drink their own piss. And Okay, that's weird. It is, but again, like it's a kid. Yeah, Kids okay. talk about weird stuff. Yeah, I guess it, I guess we do talk about weird shit. Like, can you drink pee? Pee, pee, pee? poo, poo, stuff like that. I definitely, <laughs> yeah. I have definitely had that conversation. Like, would you... Drink your own piss on a desert island. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm I like, get. I yeah, see what you yeah. mean about the tabloidy, <laughs> tabloidy thing. Just like taking yeah. something and running with it. Yeah. yeah it okay. could have been. Okay. Okay. Keeping an open mind. But there must have been something going on behind closed doors because Herb Senior actually arranged a secret psychology test to see what was wrong with ah, Junior. Interesting. These tests came back to saying that little Herb was actually schizophrenic and had dissociative identity disorder. Oh. And this was in the 1950s or thereabouts. And schizophrenia was a bit of a hype word back then. Schizophrenia? Phrenia? Yeah. Even though, like, today it's still thrown around pretty loosely. I'm not a doctor, but I just got, like, the proper definitions from the internet. Because I know there's a lot of, like, really bad, like, caricatures almost of 
schizophrenia. Yeah. So schizophrenia is a mental disorder in which people interpret reality abnormally. Symptoms can include delusions, hallucinations, lack of ability to function normally. For example, not showing emotion, not show, not taking care of personal hygiene and like a bunch of other symptoms or complications from symptoms. There's also like a huge range. It's almost like, you know, autism, like there's a huge spectrum of... Of schizophrenia. Yeah, and functionality with schizophrenia. I was watching a TED talk of this lady who was talking about her... Because she has schizophrenia and she was saying how like she sees like hallucin she hallucinates yeah. or something like that all the time like she goes to the grocery store like she there's like this us this huge monstrous spider that she always sees wow. that pops up like randomly and like all this other stuff and it's just like she's like she's terrified of it yeah. every time she sees it and she has to talk to herself every time she sees it and be like I, this is not real. And at the same time, like she could be in a work setting, having a really important conversation with like a coworker or a boss. And like, at, so like she's simultaneously trying to concentrate what the conversation is. Yeah. And at the same time, trying to calm herself, like, because she's terrified of this That's imaginary awful. spider. That's awful. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, I think the most famous, um, I'm blanking on the name now. Was it another Herbert? I don't think so. The, the, famous serial killer who would see like this floating head that would tell him to do things i don't know and it wasn't just uh, a plea to get out of like uh to so as he could plea insanity like he genuinely would see these things and they would tell him to do things mm -hmm. but like it's not all like that like i think marcus parks from last podcast on the left he's talked about his i don't know that he has schizophrenia exactly but same like your one is not um audible it's not visual hallucinations, it's more audible stuff. Mm -hmm. And just really bizarre thoughts. Like he was saying in one episode briefly, like when he was on the subway, he was like, I'm safe when I'm on the subway because the people on the platforms can't read my thoughts. But when I'm off the subway, then the people can read my thoughts. Mm -hmm. But even as he's having these thoughts, he's like, I know this isn't real. Mm -hmm. But it's, the, you know, it's like this inner battle. But anyway, I just wanted to clarify Maybe I made it even more muddy, but it's not like people used to think that schizophrenia was like, oh, I'm Hank now and now I'm Herbert or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely not what this is. The like that movie, Sybil. Oh. There's a movie with Sally Field where she was uh, several people in one. Yeah. That was a really good movie, but oh. it's like an exaggeration of... Yeah, the actual yeah. case of Sybil. So anyway, of course, like I'm not saying that the doctors were wrong. Their diagnosis could have been 100% spot on. But another thing that I would like to point out um, that was actually mentioned in one of those really good articles that I read, shock therapy was the most popular remedy of the day. But unfortunately, we can only speculate as to how his mental health issues were treated. Yeah. Anyway. In high school, he was a pretty average student, no real friends or anything, but again, nothing remarkable happened. In 1965, he graduated and went to college majoring in anatomy, but dropped out after one semester. He did the same thing again in 1967, but this time he met Julie before dropping out. He went back to Indianapolis, where his dad got him a job working for the Indianapolis Star newspaper. In 1971, he married Julie, 
And at some point, either just before or just after their marriage, Herb had a little vacation for a couple of months. His dad had him involuntarily committed to a psychiatric hospital after he lost his ever-loving reason over something to do with the car. That's all I could find out. This could be hearsay, but it is mentioned in like every article that I read. So with the marriage off to a good start, Herb got a job at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, or the BMV. And the couple bought a house in the Steinmeier neighbourhood, where Herb really embedded himself in the community. Do you remember when like shops would cut the front cover off magazines and return them for credit? No. Did you, okay. So back in the day, maybe still, I don't know. But shops would buy all the magazines and newspapers and stuff and anything that didn't sell, they would either cut the barcode or rip the front cover off and send that back rather than shipping the whole thing back. No, okay? I didn't know that. Uh, so that's what would happen. And then okay. they would just dump all of the old magazines in their own bins. Oh, they were claiming damaged product? No, that's just like the agreement that they had. Rather than transporting all of the magazines back and forth, Mm -hmm. they would recycle their own shit. Oh, I see. But get a credit for the ones that didn't sell. Okay. Anyway, Herb would drive around the back of the local Kroger, jump in the dirty bin and collect the stacks of coverless magazines. He would then use them as a sort of social currency, handing them out to the neighbours like... Wait till you see what I've got for you, Jerry. And then he'd pull out like, what's it, Weekly World News or something like, whatever crap he had found. Nice. But if anyone ever refused one of these like strange little gifts, he would be seething with rage. He would also camp out overnight at the local Ticketmasters to secure the best seats for upcoming shows for his neighbours. Huh. Yeah, I I really don't know, but like, I guess he would just volunteer to do this stuff and then they would give him the money for the tickets or something. Oh, but not... he was like the guy. Oh. Apparently he got like front row U2 tickets back when U2 were like the big cheese, you know? Okay. Okay. Anyway, he was the cool, like, no worries. I've got it guy. But every now and then he would just lose his fucking shit and he would quote, lash out with a grinning yet menacing reaction that spooked guests. Like I see it. Yeah, he was that guy that was clearly boiling with anger yeah. while trying to laugh it off, like mm-hmm. with the veins popping out. And I was like, yeah. yeah, no fucking problem. I'll just go fuck myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the scariest fucking reaction like yeah. ever. But I just say it passive aggressively. <laughs> Much healthier. Yeah. <laughs> Bottle it up. <laughs> My own theory is that because he didn't make friends growing up, he was like enforcing his friendship on this tidy little neighborhood community like they couldn't go anywhere because they all had to pay mortgages on their houses so he would show them just how nice he was and they would have to love him you know it's a little bit sad but yeah that's what i think like that's you know Mm -hmm. it's either that or he was a genuine psycho didn't understand like human connection or emotions and was trying to emulate them the best he could Uh uh-huh and then i wrote like a robot like a robot. <laughs> you must have like watched something about AI or something. Yeah, I think it was just in my, in my feels when I was typing this out. Meanwhile, at work, he was just being an absolute oddball. Like, I think I would be genuinely afraid of him if I worked with him. Mm-hmm. And like, rightly so. His first Christmas at the BMV, he sent out Christmas cards that had pictures of him and another man in drag. I'm not opposed to it. It's just kind of fucking random. 
Yeah. Like way out left field. Uh-huh. Like, or at least they, I mean, it would make sense if they were like both dressed as Mrs. Claus. Yeah, but either way, that's like me showing up to work and being like, hey, you know this friend that I have that you've never met? Here's a Christmas card of me and him dressed <laughs> up as women. Ah. And then everyone's just like, all right. Uh, cool. Here's a picture of me and my family. Like, what? <laughs> here's a baseball card. Um, but what is way weirder, weirder, he apparently kept a piece of cake in a Ziploc bag in a file cabinet drawer, right? So he could just watch it deteriorate over the years. That is so bizarre. <laughs> like, why? Like, just because. Just because, yeah. I mean... When you're an adult, you do whatever the fuck you want. As long as you don't hurt anyone. Yeah, it's like, hey, what's in the filing cabinet, Herb? You want to see this cake? Yeah, I've got cake. <laughs> oh, yeah, just like, yeah. want some cake? I have some over here. Been there for six years. And then, oh, yeah, he also pissed on a letter addressed to the governor of Indiana, and that got him fired. Hey. Like, in work. Hey, if he's anything like Governor Abbott, I don't blame him. <laughs> I know. But, like, there were reports of him pissing on his boss's desk. In multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that like maybe just is a bit of a mix up from him pissing on his teacher's desk and pissing on the letter. Mm-hmm. But who fucking knows? It's Christmas. All you right. know? Yeah. He was pissing all over the place, probably. He would have like a bunch of little bitty jobs over like here and there over the years. But I don't think he was all too concerned about money because his parents seemed to be pretty well off. His dad was like a well-to-do doctor. And Julie and Herb would go on to have two daughters and a son. And over the years, they would spend a lot of time up at Herb's parents' condo. It, I think it was a, a lake house condo mm-hmm. on Lake uh, Wawasi. It was about two and a half hours outside of Indianapolis. Like they spent a lot of time up there. Julie always maintained that Herb was the best dad to those kids. Like ridiculously good always making their lunches and he would like volunteer to do the Christmas shopping like all himself like maybe it goes back to that weird people pleasing thing I don't know but anyway he was doing all that like doting dad bullshit in 1988 they borrowed $4,000 from Herb's mom to open up their very own thrift I struggle with this word to open up their very own thrift store which proved to be very successful. Save a lot. Right, I think it's save a lot, but they <laughs> left the E out and I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, So maybe it was a play on like Camelot? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I see it. Anyway, save a lot. They would donate like a certain amount of the proceeds to the Indianapolis Children's Bureau and then pocket the rest. It doesn't sound like a great money maker, but like it was for them. Mm-hmm. Like they made a ton of money very quickly. By 1991, they had opened another store and still owned their like house in the neighborhood in Steinmeier and also purchased a new home on the 18 and a half acre Fox Hollow Farm. The house was a Tudor style mansion, uh, 10,000 square feet, four bedrooms, nine bathrooms, a separate apartment, a library, a bar and of course a heated indoor swimming pool. They definitely bit off a bit more than they could chew at this point. But according to one source, they never even really finished moving into Fox Hollow Farm. Like they were there for, I think, five years. But apparently even in 1996, they still had like moving blankets draped over random furniture and just piles of boxes of crap lying all over the place. So maybe they just moved into like one or two rooms 
mm-hmm. and they've just never had enough stuff to fill up the rest of the house. I don't know. It was weird. But they also just let the place go to shit. Like, straight from the get-go. The current owner of Fox Hollow Farms made a point of saying that buying a big house and all the grounds is literally just the start of your expenses. There is constantly stuff that needs to be worked on, painted, updated, or fixed. Like, the new uh, owners say it's literally a part-time job. Like, they finish work and then it's, all right, well, we better get to work doing X, Y, or Z. What's the, like, like painting a, a ship? Isn't that what they say? Like, by the time you finish painting the ship, you have to get back up to the start and start painting it again. Oh, I don't, I've never heard that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a saying. Yeah, that's a saying. Yeah, of course. Just yeah, agree. The listeners will understand. I think the Baumeisters just didn't realize this and maybe we're just like blind to a lot of the problems around them. But soon the place was looking shabby and the second Save-A-Lot shop was not nearly as successful as the first. Herb's mood was becoming increasingly unstable which led to employees quitting and soon the stores started to look as shabby as their new house. Like I mentioned earlier, the family would spend a good amount of time at the property up the lake. Usually Julie would take the kids and Herb would join them on the weekends. But I think around this time, Julie was spending more and more time away. And by January of 1996, she had actually begun divorce proceedings. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Herb was literally coming apart at the seams, drinking during the day, harassing people who were trying to donate to the store but weren't making a lot of delivery times. Like, you know, he would send the driver out to clean out whatever estate and the drivers would get there and the people wouldn't be ready. And so Herb would get on the phone and just like ball them out basically mm-hmm. over the phone. So lose whatever contract they had going with them. And then I guess... The Children's Bureau like copped on that this was a failing business. So they cut the contract with them. And that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. That was like their last. Uh-huh. Lifeline. Yeah. Now, I love gay people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know this. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. I love the LGBTQ plus community. We have gay friends, gay family, and we're happy to have them in our lives. We are allies. We are allies. Yes. But I've actually, I've always been lucky enough to feel confident that if I was gay, there would be no issue coming out to any of my family members. And I can appreciate that this is like a great privilege, you know, like not all families are like that, unfortunately. Yeah. So in the late 80s and early 90s, it was way more of a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. And this is just one reason that makes gay dudes in particular a very easily targeted group. So when men started going missing from clubs in downtown Indiana in the early 90s, the cops kind of didn't take it very seriously or their families wouldn't even report them missing because they were embarrassed. Yeah. They're like, oh, he's gone to one of those places. Mm -hmm. God only knows what they get up to there. Dancing and whatnot. As well as this, the Indiana state policy at the time was to wait 30 days before launching a, quote, full-scale investigation into any missing person cases. Right? That's ridiculous. Yeah. This wasn't good enough for the family of Roger Goodlett, who went missing on in July of 1993, however. 
Roger's mother decided to take matters into her own hands and call Virgil Vandegriff, a private investigator in Indianapolis whose speciality was missing person cases. Just a few days later, he gets another call. This time, it's the family of Alan Broussard. He had gone missing in uh, June, I think. Virgil sees the connection straight away. These two guys were both of a very similar physique, both hung around the same bars and were both gay. This dude, Virgil, put in a huge amount of groundwork. He had like a whole team of private investigators and pretty soon they won the trust of the local gay community who tell him of even more people that went missing in the couple of years previous. And finally, the Indianapolis Police Department pick up the case. For three months, the only lead that they have is that their suspect is that their suspect was potentially driving a car with Ohio plates. There's not a whole lot to go by. But finally, they get an anonymous tip. This person said that he had met a guy who called himself Brian Smart at a bar one night. Smart had been staring intently at Roger Goodlett's missing poster on the wall when the anonymous caller approached him. When asked if he knew the guy in the poster, Smart changed the subject and the two lads ended up having a few drinks together. We're going to call the anonymous caller Tony because that's what he's referred to in the book. But as the night wore on, one thing, le- one thing led to another and Smart eventually invited Tony back to his place for a swim. He explained that he was a landscaper or a groundskeeper living in this big house temporarily while the family were away. The main house didn't have the power turned on, only the basement, he explained. And he blamed the family for the random boxes everywhere and the mannequins who were dressed in beachwear. Oh. But Tony didn't get any weird vibes from Smart. He was just like, oh, I guess, you know, quirky rich people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were chilling in the pool when Smart asked Tony if he had ever heard of erotic asphyxiation. Oh, no. He then asked Tony to strangle him while he was jerking off. So he was like, here's this length of hose that was by the pool. Like, just wrap this around my neck. I'm going to get it off real quick. And then it's your turn. But when it was Smart's turn to do the choking, Tony soon realized that Smart was not playing around. Tony was tapping out, but Smart wasn't letting go. So he pretended to pass out. And finally, Smart just let go. He played dead for a minute. And when he opened his eyes, Smart was thoroughly shocked. Now, there's a couple of different versions of the story here. They both just pretend like nothing happened, have a few more drinks, and Smart drops Tony back to the following morning. Or, more likely, he quickly made Tony get dressed, drove him back to Indianapolis in near silence, and never made contact again. But either way, that's when Tony makes the call to Virgil Vandegriff. Unfortunately, he didn't know where the house was, as it had been so dark when he went there. He just knew that it was something farm and it had a long-ass winding driveway. So armed with just this information, Vandegriff and his men literally drove the streets and spoke with local police and eventually found that Fox Hollow Farm matched the description, but the Hamilton County Police wouldn't grant the search without more evidence. A few months go by, and Tony sees Brian Smart at a bar again and gets one of his friends to get his license plate number, which he then gives to the police. They search the plate number and of course the vehicle is registered to none other than Herbert Baumeister of Fox Hollow Farm. Hamilton County Sheriff's Department again refuses the search warrant. Julie again refuses to give permission and the detectives are desperate to get onto the land 
but they don't want to ruin the entire investigation over some red tape bullshit. Finally, in June of 1996, Herb's behaviour had continued to spiral. He now had their son up at the Lake Wawasi property and was refusing to bring him back. Julie calls her attorney and tells him that she's ready to allow the cops to come in and search the property. Three years after the initial tip had come in. That's how long this was taking. Almost immediately they started to uncover human remains. A lot of human remains. Mm. The police get an emergency custody order which allows them to go and take the son from Herb because they're afraid of how he'll react if he finds out that he's been found out. Cops get the son but for some absolutely unknown reason they leave Herb at the lake house. Now I can only imagine this was a total lack of communication and that the officers were literally told, go get this kid from this deadbeat dad or some crap like that. But either way, he probably figured out something odd was going on when the cops just randomly showed up at his door and were like, we need to take this child back to his mom. And over the next three days, police would find the remains of at least 11 people, just under 6,000 bones and bone fragments, but no skulls, which back in the day, they needed a skull. For identification. Yeah. For, yeah, to identify them. The Hamilton County Police still refused to arrest Baumeister at this point, saying they just didn't have enough evidence. The bones of 11 different people scattered around his property, an eyewitness who gave his license plate number, the eyewitness's description of the creepy-ass pool mannequins, his wife saying her son found a skull in the back garden and they won't even go and look for the chap. So even in the documentary that I watched, it's really cringy. The representative from Hamilton County, who I think was the guy who was actually working the case, he's trying to justify why they sat back and literally did nothing. And then in the end, he gives up and he just says, quote, yeah, in in hindsight, we, we should have surveilled him, but we did not. Meanwhile, the private investigator and the Indianapolis Police Department are sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? Like, we've done all this work and you're fucking just letting him slip through your fingers. But it was out of their jurisdiction. I Personally, I don't know why the FBI wasn't involved because he did cross state lines. Anyway, Julie was able to confirm that the dates the people had gone missing coincided with dates that she was at the lake house with the kids. So Herb would have had been at, like in the house on his own and had free reign. Four days after the search began, And Herb's brother calls Hamilton County Sheriff's Department to inform them that Herb had asked him to send money via Western Union to a place up in Michigan just below the Canadian border. Hamilton County thought, huh, he must be fleeing the country. Well, better just wait here. Nothing we can do. We're all the way down here. He's all the way up there. Should we call the Canadian police, do you think? Nah, nah, they've got enough to be dealing with moose and white walkers and bears and all nah they'll they'll figure it out don't worry about it right six days later July 3rd 1996 Herb's brother calls the Hamilton police to inform them that Herb had shot himself in the head in provincial in Pinery Provincial Park on the shores of Lake Huron in Ontario Canada a beautiful looking place he had left a three page suicide note in which he apologised He apologised for leaving his family in such a terrible financial state, for leaving such an awful mess in such a nice park. He spoke about his trip and what he ate, 
and how good he was for only loading one bullet in his gun just in case some curious child was to come along and find it. Very responsible was L. Herb. He did not mention a single thing about the murders. Apparently he also signed the three-page letter THE Herb Baumeister because he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. In the FBI's notes, which, by the way, had like so much detail but nothing really relevant i read a lot of it though as difficult as it was to get through like it's just really weird like formats and stuff but they said quote baumeister left a suicide note but the content was more of a fantasy as to what he wanted to do with his life it did not yield any information as to the nature of the recovered bones or the identities of the victims Interestingly enough, though, they also stated that the identity he had on him at the time of his death had a fake birthday on it, which led them to think that he possibly made his own fake IDs while working at the BMV. Mm. And one further note on Hamilton County's complete and utter lack of common sense. A Canadian police officer ran Baumeister's name and plates on July the 2nd when when she found him asleep in his car. If the Canadian authorities had been alerted like they should have been, he would have been arrested on the spot and we could have had a whole lot more information for the families of the victims and possible victims. In total, it is thought that Baumeister is possibly responsible for the deaths of well over 20 men. It's thought that the remains found on his property were from as many as 17 individuals. Oh my God. 11 confirmed and 8 ID'd. The ID'd victims were... Johnny Bayer, 20, Jeff Allen Jones, 31, Richard D. Hamilton, 20, Manuel Resendez, 31, Stephen S. Hale, 26, Alan Broussard, 28, Roger Goodlett, 33, and Michael Kiern, 46. All of these guys went missing between 1993 and 1995, all from Indianapolis, except for Manuel Resendez, who was from Lafayette, which was just an hour away. Now, I ordered the book, The Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm, on the 4th of December. And the next morning, I decided that I was going to have a little Google while I was in work, just to see what I could come up with. And as it turned out, on December 4th, just after, or just before I started, just before I ordered the book, members of the Hamilton County Coroner's Office went back out to Fox Hollow Farm with a bunch of dogs from the Indiana Canine Search and Recovery and managed to mark 20 spots on the property that could potentially have more remains buried there. So this is an extremely active case, and they are currently reaching out to any and everyone who might have, like, a family member who went missing in the area between 1991 and 1996, and they're basically just looking for anyone to provide um, personal DNA, like, so as they could potentially link any of the remains that they have found. Mm-hmm. Anyway... You might think this story is finished, but this week was just the facts, or at least as close to the factual evidence as I could get from the few different sources I had. Next week, we're going to be getting a little weird. We're going to get into the conspiracy theories, some other possible murders linked to Baumeister, and we're also going to be discussing the haunting of Fox Hollow Farm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this, this is a is two-parter. Layered. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah, right. may he burn in hell. I, yeah, oh, he's a sack of shit. I hope there's a hell for, you know, people like him. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's awful. Um, 
but yeah, so that's just part one of this Herb Baumeister fuckery. Um, and we will be back next week with some some extremely out there yeah. stuff and some very spot on stuff. Um, but yeah. You know, I know it sounds real. I, like I'm not trying to compare apples and oranges here, but, you know, I, I just had a thought like uh, regarding the seemingly incompetent uh, police work. Um, I say seemingly because to us, it does seem that way. But to them, they probably thought they were doing the best job they possibly could. Because like, I've, and this is totally like my opinion, but if I just wanted to punch in and punch out, I would work retail. I would work, you know, like stuff, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I were to get a job as a cop, that requires so much like testing, vetting, training, and all this other shit, right? And then it's like highly taxing on an individual. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just feel like these people probably thought they were doing the best job possible and they thought they were right. And it's really fucking sad because these people who thought they were right were completely delusional. So completely delusional. I'm going to throw a little bit of a spanner in your works there. Mm -hmm. The Indianapolis Police Department did as much as they could as far as like red tape would allow. Mm -hmm. The private eye did a whole lot to push this case and actually found her Baumeister. Mm -hmm. The Hamilton County Sheriff's Department, I don't think that any real training is required mm -hmm. to become a sheriff's deputy. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's a lot of, like, well, this is my cousin and he's a deputy, you know? Nepotism. So a lot of that kind of crap. So they're not really very well educated mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, the reason why Hamilton County didn't pursue any of the leads is because they were dealing with a very rich area, a very rich white area, mm -hmm. and they didn't want to rock the boat. They were afraid of going after one of their own, basically. Wow. Yeah, that's the school of thought. And you can see, even in that documentary that I watched, that dude is embarrassed. Yeah. He's a big, fat, old white man who, like, definitely was just punching in and out for the paycheck, you uh -huh. know? And, uh, yeah, he's just, like, sitting there like a bold child. That's even worse. Yeah, no, they, Hamilton County Sheriff's Department fucked this up for yeah. everybody. The whole, all of the families and everything. That's even And I think worse. all of the blame should be put on them. Um. I like to be kind of partial, like, because I do, like, we have friends that are cops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Homicide detectives in particular. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, I'm all for, like, letting them be humans, not just cops. But these guys really fucked it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, fuck those guys. <laughs> I thought it was it was a case of, you know how, like, and I'm pretty sure there's people out there that understand what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I thought it was one of those things where it was like... um where literally the the entire world, like the people around this one person that has that yields so much power are like, why aren't you seeing this? And then this one person is like, no, like you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, oh, yeah, because yeah. there's always that that person like yeah. and I'm only speaking that because it's like literally just had this conversation with somebody at work. <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> I won't get into it. But yeah everybody and their fucking grandma is looking at this one person like how could you possibly have this thought process when the facts are looking at you dead yeah, in the face and telling you, you otherwise 
you know? But, no, I, I get what you're saying, though, I do. I thought it was a situation of that. Yeah. But no, it's just it's pure ignorance, pure uh, yeah. negligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go, guys. This was your Christmas-themed episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed, and uh, I hope that whet your appetite for what's to come next week. Um, we've got some good ghost adventures cheese coming your way. All right. Oh, also, Claudia, big props to Claudia. We love her dearly. She reached out and asked us if we would put together like a wish list of like reading material that we would like, and then people can go on there and just buy it for us. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, because that's what she said. She wanted to buy us a book for Christmas. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, really, really nice. Um, So I am, I'm going to try and do that. I was hoping that I would have like a couple of days off over Christmas, but because I was sick, now I don't. So yeah. I'm going to try and throw a list together and just have it on our Instagram. And then, you know, it's not going to be anything major, but if you wanted to, or if you have suggestions for a book or something like that, for a case that you would like us to do, We'll add that to the wish list and you can get it. That, that's a pretty cool idea, right? Yeah, it is. And I mean, outside of the podcast, Casa del Creep is a nerd residence. Um, I yeah. also got books for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they were on my wish list. Yeah. So anyway, guys, other than that, just like rate and review. If you want to give us a Christmas present that doesn't involve money or anything like that, which is totally fine, rate and review us because... That's how we get seen. Uh, go on YouTube. There's videos on there if you want extra content. Adam and Dulce, Weekly Creep, Kitty Cat Country. Dulce has been pumping out a video Vlogmas. every day, right? Vlogmas, yeah. yeah. Last video will be tomorrow. Yeah. So make sure to go check out Kitty Cat Country on YouTube. And yeah, most of all, have a good Christmas or whatever you celebrate. Just relax, take it easy. And yeah. That's pretty much it. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Goodbye.